And let's join together in the Bible this morning, Ephesians, if you would join there with me in chapter 6. Ephesians in chapter 6. It has been a fantastic week together for Vacation Bible School and seeking to help children understand and come to a deeper understanding of faith in Jesus Christ. And I tell you, we are together in a battle of spiritual warfare. And as we seek to build families of faith this year, Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. The building blocks are essential. And our building blocks must be built upon faith in the Bible. We must believe that God established the local church. We must have a right relationship with it. We are all in a spiritual warfare. And I tell you, there's a battle for souls. Many of us invited multiple people, and they promised to come, right? But there's a spiritual battle that ensued. There's a spiritual battle for souls and for the souls of the young people and also for the souls of every single one of us. We are in a battle. Now look, it's not depressing when you're in a battle if you know you're on the winning side and if you stay on the winning side. Amen? And so this morning, let's focus there and let's turn our attention in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be, what does he say? Be strong in the Lord. As Kamari touched on, internships is kind of a muscle-stretching time, right? I mean, I stepped away for just a few moments to take care of some business, and I drive back in, and I'm like, what's up, gentlemen? And your Kamari's got blood coming out of his eye. I'm like, what happened? He's like, I put my face against the ladder to grab it. <laughs> I have never succeeded at that. I have never succeeded at that. That was a first. I never would have thought of that. Well, we're going to make you bring safety goggles next time. All right? Safety goggles is a must if you're around ladders, okay? But, uh, wow. Thankfully, it was just a little scratch. But, you know, we're all in a battle. I saw he had had a battle. And, look, the battle wasn't over this week, was it? Because of Vacation Bible School, right? We had a great time. We went fishing. How many of you guys saw that fishing experience, right? And certainly said, did we catch it on video? No, you, we didn't have a video going for that, but we, we should have had the film rolling for that one because I would have put it up on the screen. I looked through my phone and said, where is a picture of that? Because Kamari also had a battle with the backdrop. <laughs> he was fishing. Poof, and the whole backdrop fell. <laughs> it's been a great week. I tell you, we're in a battle. Spiritually, we're in a battle for souls. He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Five years doing vacation Bible school, never thought we'd have, right, the stage fall down, okay? Uh, we will build it stronger next year, gentlemen, all right? Be strong, he says, in the power of whose might? His might. Some of these gyms around here have heavy lifting teams, Heavy lifting teams, and they throw up 900 to 1,000 pounds. One of the local gyms is even doing that today. They have a heavy lifting team that runs on Sunday morning, and right now as we speak, they are throwing up heavyweights. Seeing who can break their back first, right? I have no desire to throw up 900 pounds. 
unless it's to achieve some legitimate goal like moving something that's going to help further something else, okay? Uh, I don't like to just do that for fun. But I tell you, being strong in the Lord is essential. And he says, in the power of his might. God's not looking for just physically fit men. He's looking for spiritually fit men and women. And he says, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. God does not promise protection to those who are half prepared for battle. And my friend, the reason why we often have defeat in the Christian life is because we didn't get prepared. Remember David? Saul gave him a bunch of beautiful armor. Said, David, put it on. Did David put it on? No. He says, I haven't proved it. He says, what I know works is a little sling and a few little smooth rocks. Can you imagine going to battle with no armor on? But David had armor he had tested. He knew that the sling would work. Hit the giant straight in the head and went up and stole the giant sword to finish the business. See, my friend, when God is on your side, you use proven methods, and proven methods work. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You may have heard a message on this before. I have. I've heard about praying on the pieces of the armor of God. I've heard about folks saying, you know what, every morning I just wake up and I pray on the pieces of the armor of God. And look, that's great, my friend, but it's way more than just going through some ritualistic prayer and just saying, you know, Lord, I pray on protection. And it's way more than that. It's a life. It's a life. Because haven't you found, maybe you prayed on all the armor of God. You said, you know what, I want to walk out in the power of God. Maybe you even had devotions that morning. And then you get out and you failed. Why? Because we can't do it without his grace and without his strength. We all fail. But the grace of God is sufficient. He says in verse 12, For we... Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is not against our friends, our family, not against people that are bothering you in your life. No, the battle is against the devil. And because of that, we need to be spiritually alert and spiritually aware. You say the devil got into them. Probably he did. But my friend, God might have allowed that to happen just to test our faith, to build up our faith. He says, take unto you the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The reason that we challenge in discipleship and the reason we have a six-month discipleship program here is so that the men will get more of the Bible memorized. And everybody that comes into discipleship tells me the same thing. Pastor, I don't think I can memorize those verses. To which the reply is, men have come before you and done it. All right? You will be able to do it. You can do anything you set your mind to. And you know what? When you retain the Word of God you retain it for this purpose so that you can fight off the enemy in the same way that you would take if you were to go to battle with a weapon, you would not go without ammunition. In the same way, spiritually, the Christian's ammunition is the word of God and it's what you have internalized in your heart. Look, we woke up this morning in a battle, but God's provided the strength to overcome. The Bible says in verse 13 that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. 
Look, a focus on the troubles and woes of this world will lead us to despair. Maybe you've had friends telling you, hey, there's going to be a what shortage? What do they say? Food shortage. You know, and so what do we do? Well, I suggest you learn how to cook. That'd probably be a good way to start. Um, make sure you're ready to cook because you might be cooking on a campfire. I was just talking with my wife. I said, what if we don't have propane? How are we going to can? What are we going to do? How are we going to can if we don't have propane? We, we can with propane. And uh, I said, maybe we could use a, a wood fire. Well, I'd like to see how that goes, right? Uh, put enough fire on the bonfire and make that thing go. That's going to be tough, all right? Being prepared. We, we're so focused as a nation on being prepared right now, and people are focusing and storing and preparing. But my friend, above all these things, we ought to be prepared spiritually. There is a spiritual battle that will occur today in your heart and in my heart. The moment that we walk out of this building, the battle will occur. The moment that we go home, the battle will occur. The moment we go to work on Monday, the battle will occur. Wherever you're at, wherever I'm at, the battle is going on. The battle for our own soul. Times may be difficult, my friend, but God wants us to be victorious, victorious soldiers. Soldiers who win. And look, uh, sometimes we don't see a real reason... Because we see the devil working and we say, uh, we're discouraged and we see the devil working. And we say, well, it's just impossible. It's impossible. My friend, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I remember a few years ago when God sent Brother Christian to our church and his family. And, and Brother Kyle and their family. And I remember right then, Christian, it had been almost two years, I think. About two years since, since John and I had uh, gone through discipleship. About a year and a half or so. And I'll tell you, COVID had just happened. And... You know what? Most pastors were, shall we say, a little bit on the discouraged side, okay? And an evangelist came in and he said, why don't you disciple Christian? He's right here. I said, that's a great idea. Christian, you want to discipleship? And that was the end of that. That was great. You know, it was so encouraging seeing him begin to grow. And, of course, he finished discipleship last week. Discipleship, Pastor, I have a girl I'm interested in. A few months later, he's married. Amen. And they're in church. And we thank God for what God's doing in their lives. And, you know, God is at work. During the process of that, he had just finished and Kamari comes to church. He just came back, amen? Because we started uh, small groups Sunday afternoon that worked with their work schedule. And you know what? God has given us opportunities to continue to mentor and help. Why are we doing this? To train up more laborers. And, and you know what? I'm on the outlook. Who wants to be discipled next, okay? And uh, who wants to be discipled next, all right? Who wants to grow? Who wants to grow in their faith next? And I pray that each of these young men will find somebody to disciple. Knowledge and understanding of the times is important to be prepared as this iniquity abounds. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are children of God, you are God's little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So why are we dealing with defeat? Could it be that we're not letting him in? Lord, I want your power. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Why are we not spiritually prepared? It's because we're not spiritually engaged in the battle. When you go to war, you expect to confront the enemy. And we are all in a spiritual battle, and we can see it all around us today. If you can't see it, click on the news and then click it right back off, okay? Uh, because it's depressing. Spiritual warfare, we're involved in it. And he gives three charges as we start out this passage. And by the way, these are not typos, but you're going to see these three charges line right up together. He starts out by challenging us to build a strong relationship with God. In verse 10, he says, be strong in 
the Lord and in the power of His might. Build a strong relationship with God. That's only possible by learning to depend upon God. You know why it's harder? I find it's harder for men who are over the age of 30. It's harder for them. I disciple a lot of men, and I've started many men who are between the ages of 30 and, and up. When you reach the age of 30, it is harder to be mentored. And, and a lot, I've started about seven men who went, started through discipleship, got about four weeks in, and they quit. They're in the age of 30, 40, 50, right around that age group. It's harder to do it. Why? Because we have more years of experience doing it the opposite way. And so he challenges us, look, it's hard to start out on your relationship with God when we spent 30 years walking away from God, okay? And so it's, that's why we disciple young men, and we want to go for the young children and disciple and mentor them in the faith so they don't have to experience life before they come and start to build a relationship with God. You understand? Look, when you've spent your entire life running in the world, it's harder to start the relationship with God. And so we want to build a strong relationship with God. He challenges them, be strong in the Lord. But secondly, he challenges them, put on the whole armor of God. But he gives this charge in the passage, and then he gives it again. Three charges, and two of them are exactly the same. Verse 11 and verse 13. He says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. And in verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. He says put the armor on. It's a charge, it's a command to put on the whole armor of God. By way of introduction, we see those things. There are several passages in scripture with the charge to put on. I will read them for you. Isaiah 51 in verse 9. The Bible says, awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord, awake as the ancient of days. Isaiah 52, verse 1. Awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments. Romans 13, verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on, he says, the armor of light. He says, cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. Look, we can see darkness around us, so what do we need to do? Put on the armor of light. He commands us to do it in Ephesians or in Romans chapter 13, Ephesians 4.24, and that you put on the new man. You say, why is it a struggle? Because you've got to put it on. Some of you men work around the farm. You take care of livestock. One of the first things you probably do before you go into a place in your house that you want to keep clean, you take off those garments Take off those boots. Take off that clothing. And you cast it aside and you put on clothing that is clean. Clothing that is fresh. And as a Christian, my friend, it's time to have a change. Amen? Lord, help me. Lord, I put away these and I'm going to put on this. It's a choice. And you know, as a parent, it's an exciting thing when your child learns how to do that themselves. It also means you get more and more laundry because they seem to do it quite often throughout the day. But you know what? I think it's great. They like to put on new clothes. He says, you put on the new man. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and longsuffering. We don't get those things naturally without the power of God. He says, put them on. Put on mercy. Put on, he says, kindness. Put on humility of mind. Put on meekness. Put on long-suffering. And he says, above all these things in verse 14, put on charity. I want you to remember this, because in just a moment you'll see this in a slide. 
He says we are to put on these things, and we struggle with these things. Putting on mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. This is part of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare can be a confusing issue for the child of God because often we have this, unresolved anger that invites demonic oppression. Unresolved anger invites demonic oppression. The Bible says, be angry and what? Sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. There is a time where you may have to raise your voice. There is a time where you may have to give a rebuke. But continuing in a spirit of anger, simmering that, it leads to demonic oppression. It amazes me how folks get involved in this and how it pulls them down spiritually. So unresolved anger invites demonic oppression. You know, you and I being upset about whatever he or she or them did doesn't make them change. And all God's people said, it doesn't change it, okay? You say, I'm upset about what's going on in our nation. I'm upset about what's so... It doesn't fix it by being upset about it. All it does is it messes us up. I think our depression is often directly related to this. Depression is related to memories that are unresolved. Memories unresolved. Look, the greatest memory ought to be that God's grace forgave us. Amen? You say, Lord, they did so much. He says, by the way, don't be like that servant who I forgave all. And then he comes back and holds a grudge against them. Don't do that. He says, forgive. Unresolved anger invites demonic oppression. And if you're going to be strong in the Lord, if I'm going to be strong in the Lord, verse 12 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So being angry at people. By the way, being angry at God doesn't help things either. Because look, all this sickness, a lot of the sickness we're dealing with today is actually man-made sickness from man-made diseases. Um, and they even say there's a cure for cancer, but apparently they won't let us take it. Why? Because it would remove all their revenue. So you say, should we be upset about that? No, just recognize we live in a fallen world and there's fallen people around us. Unresolved anger invites spiritual oppression. Unresolved conflict. Under this, there is a dark root. Under the conflict, there is a dark root. Uh, we see plants that grow. And in our garden, we've got a lot of them that are growing. But under, underneath the soil, there is something growing. And it's a root. Some of those plants are really cool, right? Like the garlic, you plant it at the right time. We haven't done that yet. We're going to try it. But um, you plant that at the right time. And then you can pick it at the right time. It's pretty awesome. But most of the time it spends under the ground for months just growing. And look, my friend, there are things sometimes that are growing because there's a conflict that happened and under it there is a dark root. And one of the problems, uh, once our, our people problems are not, are, are not the spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare is rooted in the deceiver and the devil and his dark lies. Look, the devil wants you and I to believe a lie about that other person. Okay? Under the conflict, there's a dark root. And when we start to believe a lie, it is quickly we will be deceived and pulled under. And that hinders us from fighting the spiritual battle. The devil's mission and his goal is to deceive the very elect. If the devil can't keep you from trusting Christ, he will now fill our mind with lies, so we will be, we will be ineffective in the army of the Lord. The devil just wants us to be ineffective. Look, he doesn't care if you get in the Lord's army and think you're in the army. He doesn't care if we think we're doing well. He likes that. He just hopes we don't actually accomplish anything in the process. 
He likes to have an army full of soldiers that are doing nothing. Why? Because they're tied to some dark roots. There's some conflict underneath that needs to be resolved by the grace of God. You say, how do we do that? Ephesians 4 talks all about it. Come to the God and say, Lord, I don't understand why, but Lord, I'm going to choose your way. I'm going to choose to forgive. Under the conflict, there's a dark root. It's impossible to go to battle thinking about all the battles you've lost and still win. It's impossible to go to battle thinking about all the battles you've lost. Oh, I lost the last battle. You walk up to the door, I'm going to invite somebody to church. But the last person, they said something mean to me. Well, you know what? You'll be pretty discouraged at the door. Go believing God. Wherever you go, under the conflict, there's a dark root. Don't let the unbelief hinder you. These are the dark roots. Fear. These are some of them. Fear. Unbelief. Laziness. Pride. And a past. And my friend, uh, everybody, we all struggle with these. And the goal for me when, when we, we go through, for example, like discipleship or small groups, the goal is to help that we might, if one of these is dominating in our life, look, we struggle with all of them, but if it's dominating, that by the grace of God, we would overcome it. And by the way, the armor of God deals with all of these. It deals with fear. Because he says, take the shield of faith. It deals with unbelief. It deals, it deals with laziness because he says to stand. It deals with pride and he speaks about depending upon the Lord, strong in the power of his might. And my friend, our past, he talks about victory that's avail available to be won. Putting on the armor of God is a choice. And this morning I'd like to look at this and begin this and next Sunday we will continue. The first piece of the armor we're shown here is the girdle of truth. The girdle of truth. Spiritual warfare, the spiritual warrior is prepared. He says, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, he says, we are to sit down. Right? No, he says, stand. By the way, I have never worked for anybody in construction who would let me sit on the job. They always made me stand. There's a reason why they made me stand. There's a reason why they told me to get up. It's so I'd be ready, so I'd be equipped, so I'd be able to move. And my friend, as a spiritual warrior, we must be ready to move. He says, stand therefore, in verse 14, having your loins girt about with truth. What holds you together is truth. The girdle of truth. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 8 says, For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. This must not be a casual preparation. It must be a focused preparation. Truth marches on. And see, this is an encouragement because truth is solid. Truth is substantial. It cannot be changed by our emotions. Aren't you thankful for that? You know, a lot of worship in church is completely derived by people's emotions. It's led by emotions. Uh, thank God that, our, that truth is not changed by the weather. It's not changed by another person. It's completely non-dependent. Truth is what it is, whether we like it or not. One of the greatest things that we face in helping people find victory is the battle for truth. The enemy, if he can win in your mind, he can win your life. And my friend, the girdle for truth, God wants us to be girt about with the loins of truth. Even those who claim to be born again are not necessarily firmly grounded in the truths of the Bible. There's a man, George Barna, who does many surveys of people and tries to understand why people do what they do. Especially as Christians, he tries to help and understand. And in the cha one chapter of his book, 
he said, the devil or Satan is not uh, a living being. He says, the devil or Satan is not a living being, but a symbol of evil. He asked that question. Then he asked the segment of his survey respondents who identified themselves as born-again Christians. He said, do you strongly agree, somewhat agree, or somewhat disagree with that statement? The born-again people in the survey, 32, 32% said they agreed that the devil was just a symbol of evil. 32% of born-again believers just thought the devil was a symbol of evil. 11% said they somewhat agreed. 5% said they didn't know. So 48%, almost 50%, agreed that Satan is only a symbol of evil that he didn't know. Could it be that's why we're not ready to fight the devil? It's because we don't even know that he's a real enemy. Should it be surprising that later in the survey he would receive, receive some very startling responses? In his next question... Christian, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, and others pray to the same God, even though they use different names for God. Again, the respondents were asked the same question, and of the population surveyed, who identified themselves as born-again believers, 30% said that they pray to the same God. 18% agreed somewhat, and 12% did not know. So 60% thought that everybody worships the same God. 60% of born-again Christians in the survey said they didn't know. That ought to concern us. My friend, we ought to know the truth. My friend, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father but through Him. And the other religions mentioned, by the way, those who are Jews who do not believe that Jesus the Messiah came, they don't believe in Christ. Now, there are Messianic Jews who are saved. But those who do not believe that Jesus came to die for their sins. They don't believe that the Messiah came. By the way, that's the way to get saved. And so, uh, no, not on the same page, not praying to the same God. Um, Allah is not the same God. Buddha is not the same God. Okay? And we must understand these teachings. Or we will be surprised about things that are happening in our nation, like in Louisiana, where two statutes recently went up. Both are occultic. Both involve the witchcraft. They pulled down one of the statutes only to replace it with a satanic statute. A nude statute, disgusting statute. Saying that it's promoting equality when it's actually promoting Satanism and witchcraft. Hmm. Directly connected to the occult. Sometimes we're not aware of these things as they are around us. Our nation is infiltrated with a lack of truth. In the early 1900s, a man named George Riddle, he bought the sensational London newspaper, The News of the World. He met with a British journalist, Frederick Green, one day, and he said, I own this newspaper company. The man said, okay, great. And he said, I'm going to send you a copy. He sent him a copy of the newspaper to this British man, and next time they met up, he said, what did you think of my newspaper? He said, I looked at it, then I put it in the waste paper basket. Then I thought, if I leave it there, my cook might read it, so I burned it. <laughs> the British man didn't want to hear about the American news. Look, the truth will be declared, and the truth is declared from the word of God, and yet so many other voices are calling us. That's why I challenge you, and I believe every Christian, we ought to challenge one another, get in the book and read the book. If you didn't read the book yet, my friend, go get in the book and read it when you get home today. Read the book. It is the truth. 
the way, the truth, and the life. We see the girdle of truth. We, secondly, we see the breastplate of righteousness. A life free from any unrighteousness. It's a life of full surrender to Christ. The devil is unrighteous. In Ephesians 2, Paul speaks of how the devil used to lead them into unrighteousness. 1 John 2, verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doth righteousness is born of him. How do you know if somebody's born again? They're doing righteousness. They're involved in righteous behavior. They want to be around righteous people. That is a manifest token that you are a child of the king. The breastplate of righteousness. How do we fight the enemy? We wear the girdle of truth. Gird about with truth. Everything must be checked with the word of God. But then we must wear the breastplate of righteousness. Protected. As a police officer will wear the body armor, they will wear that shield, that vest over their chest today to stop any bullets that could come at them. In the same way, the Christian must be prepared because the devil's going to shoot at you. The moment you surrender to Christ, the moment you start to follow Jesus, the moment you start to be faithful to the house of God, the moment you start to get involved, my friend, don't be surprised the devil's going to fight hard. Righteous living invites the presence of God. And right living is a rare thing, but it has a beautiful fragrance. Ephesians 4 tells us the new man is a righteous man. And look, over time we can become comfortable with secret sins. White lies begin to creep into our life. What is white about a white lie? They say, oh, it's just a little white lie. A lie is a lie. And look, when the saved begin to live with no change, they're no longer a valiant soldier. They're a weak, defeated soldier. And their message has no power because it's not fueled by righteous living. Look, sometimes we wonder, we say, man, I want the righteousness to prevail. I don't want the devil to win. Check out who you've been funding. The cause of the devil, the cause of Christ. Who's winning in your life? Where is your focus? Could it be we wonder, we say, man, why do my kids not want to be around the things of God? Could it be they need to see that that's most important to us? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Set out our life for righteousness. Look, if we seek after righteousness, you'll find it. The breastplate of righteousness. Let righteousness be our clothing. By the way, when we walk into our work to, on Monday, wherever you go, if you're clothed in righteousness, it will be evident because the grace of God is a sweet fragrance. Thirdly, get your gospel shoes on. Get your gospel shoes on. The third piece of armor is the feet ready to share the gospel of peace. These all fit together. The word shod literally refers to that your shoes are on and ready to move. It is hard to be prepared and to get prepared quickly if you're not used to doing it. But one thing that I, I don't know where it started. I guess it started with my dad. But he made us know how to get. We come home from work and in five minutes we could be ready to walk right out the door and go to church. Completely dressed and ready. I mean, we could come home, and as long as I had 15 minutes between the time that truck pulled in the driveway and the diesel engine cooled off, we could be headed out the door in the other vehicle going straight to our choir practice on Wednesday night if we were ready. It only took about 15 minutes. 
My parents said, you know what? You got your kids need to, you're wasting too much hot water. You need to speed those showers up. And uh, maybe they read about the, the man who had the 12 kids, right? But about one minute shower. Make it happen. Make it happen. Feet ready to share the gospel of peace. Often we say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I need an hour to get ready. I need time to get ready. My friend, sometimes there is a soul right there and we don't have time to wait. We've got to get ready. Even we were doing outreach. We're going down the street. And you know what? I love having my kids with me. But there was somebody walking down the other street. And there was enough time for me to get there, but the kids couldn't get there. You know what I'm saying? They were kind of coming along behind. They were doing the best they could. And I told Brother Christian, I said, I can't chase those people down. Because I would completely, um, I I would frustrate them. And I would also, they would go, what is this guy doing? Who is he chasing us down? And you know what? A few minutes later, I came around the corner. We were walking down the street with the girls. And that person had stopped to put something in their car. We were able to give them an invitation. You know, my friend, sometimes you might think you've missed an opportunity, but stay ready, stay focused. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You say, I can't share my faith. I'm not always ready. You know, this week during vacation Bible school, I didn't have the kids pray a sinner's prayer afterwards. You know, because... It's one of those things where you'd only underst- you only understand it. Sometimes a kid prays a prayer and they really don't understand what they're doing. And then they think they're saved. And I, I struggled with it this week because I, I know that several were dealing with doubts and things. But I said, you know what? We're inviting them back to church and we need to build a relationship with these children. Um, they understand the gospel. But if they're just going to think that praying a prayer is going to bring them into heaven... Um, it is by a life, it is by repenting, recognizing we're a sinner, he's the Savior, and coming to a place of full repentance. And, and really it comes to a place where uh, often a little child will raise their hand and say, yes, I'll pray, and they pray, but sometimes they don't really understand. And so uh, it was a battle for me because this week, look, a lot of my friends are also doing vacation Bible schools, and they were posting every day, 15 souls saved, 30 souls saved here. And I was thinking, you know what? But if these kids, we continue to build a relationship with them, and they truly get it, they will grow up in the faith. And I don't want them to just pray a prayer at Vacation Bible School so we can say we had five saved. I want them to truly be saved. And look, we've done prayers before at Vacation Bible School, but none of those kids who prayed the prayers sticked, sticked, okay? And so, uh, trying to learn, okay? <laughs> trying to learn along the way. And you say, well, that's, why, that's why we didn't do sinner's prayer at the Vacation Bible School, because we want, look, when God's working on the heart, it'll be evident. It'll be evident. And uh, God has a way of convicting when he convicts, it'll be clear. The third piece of the armor is to be ready to share the gospel of peace. Look, you, may, you might say, I'm not ready. Well, why don't you get in the word and ask God to help you? There are so many. You get on YouTube, there's so many ways on how to share your faith. You can watch videos on it. And by the way, if you want to be mentored on it, I will be more than happy to spend time with mentoring. By the way, that's something that's very, very rarely asked about. Uh, how can I get better at sharing my faith? Look, if the gospel has not brought us peace, then it will not bring them peace. So ask the Lord help that you might have peace in your soul. A spiritually protected Christian is ready to share the gospel at any time, in any place. And it's hard to share the gospel when we're not right with God or God's people. So stay right, stay resolved, so that we might stay in the truth, stay girt with righteousness, and we might have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that wherever we go, we're ready to share our faith. There are so many around us who are searching, who are open, you know, my wife went out and made some visits, and, uh, and uh, one of our ladies went out with her and visited some friends that they knew. 
And so many of those homes, the same response that I got this week as well. The people said, you know what, my child's been talking about these things. They're interested in knowing more about God. The child's heart, God's already touching. By the way, that's God because they didn't get that from any other source, okay? And God is working. And you say, did those people come? Not every one of them. But God is working in people's hearts. You say, what do we need to do? Go back and continue to share the word. Go back and continue to share the gospel of peace. Let us be equipped. Let's turn into 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll stop off here today. And next week we will continue. 1 Peter and chapter 3 and verse 15. If you would join me there. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. The Bible says... Back in verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open into their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Look down in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready, what's the next word say? Always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. How? With meekness and fear, having good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. I tell you, God has a way of turning people's hearts when they see the truth. And would we pray that God might help us? Lord, help me to be ready. Maybe this morning you'd simply come ask the Lord, Lord, would you help me to be ready to share the gospel? Maybe if you do not know Christ... Today's the day you need to call upon his name. Get your gospel shoes on. Let's bow for prayer this morning. Let's stand together as we pray. And as we, as we pray this morning, I know there's heavy hearts in the room. God's dealing with all of our hearts about different things. Maybe this morning you just take a few minutes to just say, Lord, Lord, I want to be clean with you. I want to be right. I want to walk in the truth. Maybe there's a lie that the enemy's been tempting you with. And this morning, as we are standing here and ready to pray... Maybe you would just say, Lord, there's a lie the devil's been tempting me with, and I'm going to rebuke it in Jesus' name right now. And maybe by the grace of God, I'm going to forsake that. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to ask the Lord to help me. I'm going to ask the Lord to help me. Could it be the problem we're facing in society today or directly the result of Christians not putting the armor of God on? The army of the Lord needs more enlistments. And today, will you join in the fight for truth? Will you stand tall for Jesus? Will you forsake whatever is holding you back? And will you run to the Savior? He patiently waits. This morning, let's respond to the Lord. Lord, we want to do business with you. Father, we pray that you would touch our hearts this morning. We thank you that you alone save, that Jesus saves. And we thank you, Father, that the gospel has gone forward this week. And we thank you, Lord, that Jesus alone can deliver and that he will deliver. We ask that you would help, that you would work, that you would help us to be ready to fight Lord, spiritually, to be ready, to be equipped to fight the enemy. Help us to put the armor on, to walk in the truth, to stay in the word of God, to read it, to meditate on it. Lord, may our greatest concern be that our friends, our family, our husband, our wife, our boyfriend, girlfriend, that they read and know God, that they read his word, that they love God, that they're in prayer, that that might be our greatest concern, that our husband and wife are in the faith. Lord, that our greatest concern might be that our children love Jesus. Not that we're just prepared for the hard times coming, but that we are spiritually engaged. 
that that might be our greatest concern and that we might be in prayer to that end, that we might fight spiritual battles, that we might win because we're walking in the truth girt with righteousness and with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Help us, Lord, to get our shoes on today. Help us to get equipped. Help us to get ready. And Father, I pray that you would enable us as we head out today that we might please you in the days to come. For we ask these things in Christ's name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you take a moment right where you're at? Maybe God's touching your heart and speaking to you. We thank you each for watching by way of live stream. We're closing out the live stream at this time. But for those of you here in the house, maybe God's speaking to your heart about something and you just come forward and pray about it. The Lord's dealing with your heart and you'd say, you know what, I want to pray. I want to meet with God. Would you come up this morning and would you just pray? Would you kneel and pray? I promise you, you come kneel and pray, the devil's going to put a target on you this week. The devil's going to try to fight you this week, but we need more soldiers engaged in the battle. Maybe this morning you just say, Lord, I want to get engaged in the battle. Maybe as you're standing there, you'd say, I want to get engaged in the battle. I want to re-engage. I want to be a witness for the Lord. I want to let my light shine. Maybe you come forward and you'd say, Lord, help me to do that. Lord, help me to do that. Lord, I need your power. Lord, I need your grace. I need your strength. Let's do business with the Lord. Would you do business with him right now? That's our prayer. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Y'all listen so well today. It's such a great time together in the house of God. And we have financial peace, which we'll meet right after this. Next Sunday, directly following the service, we will have a brief members meeting. And then a uh, quarterly members meeting. And then we're going to have next Sunday at 6 p.m., our church movie night. And we're going to show a, a wonderful Christian movie that will help and inspire our families and yes, this is a youth night, and yes, this is a family night, okay? I don't want it just to be the youth. So if you're alive and you're walking, you're welcome to come, okay? And so it's going to be popcorn, hot dogs, ice cream. Downstairs, July 31st, next Sunday at 6 o'clock, we'll have a movie night. It's a great Christian movie, and it will encourage and help us. We want all the young people to come out. Uh, invite a friend, all right? Invite a friend. Find, if you say, I don't have any friends to invite, make a friend and invite a friend, okay? And uh, you say, Pastor, are we going? We're going wicked. We're going to have a movie night. No, it's a great movie that will challenge us. It has a, such a wonderful storyline. But what God did in that church and, that, and those people, and I can't wait for you all to see it. And so uh, next Sunday at 6 p.m., everybody, by the way, great date night for you married folks. Uh, for you single folks, it's a great opportunity to just fellowship, okay? So, great time to come out to the house of God, fellowship, 
And uh, the children, great time for all the kids. Everybody's welcome, all the youth. And we're going to have a fantastic time. We're going to have also a few little games, too, maybe, uh, to kind of start out. But right at 6 o'clock, we'll start that movie off and have popcorn, hot dogs, and ice cream, okay? So that's next Sunday. Uh, pray for us this week. My wife and I will be uh, going. Others weren't able to uh, arrange to make it happen. But last, last year, I don't know if you all remember, when I went down with my wife and family to New Jersey, um, it really helped us. It helps us with leading the church forward. Forward. It's a spiritual time of renewal for three days of spiritual renewal. And we're going to invest in our family in that way and invest in others in that way. And uh, aren't you ladies enjoying the ladies' Bible study? Amen. And you're getting blessed by that. And this is a time to encourage my wife as well and uh, also ensure, encourage the kids about the ministry. And so we're excited about it and uh, we're excited about what God's doing. So pray for us as that, that God will just help us to be an encouragement to others, but also he'll give us the tools in our bag to fight the spiritual battles that are coming. Amen. And to know how to mentor and encourage and lead the church forward. So we're excited about what God's doing. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for being together in church today.